0: With Back to God Ministries, how is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, beloved, are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. All right, folks, listen. We are going to be discussing What does it mean to produce fruit in keeping with repentance? Mm -hmm. We see this in Matthew 3, 8. Beloved, I am constantly these days being prompted by Holy Spirit to encourage us with this teaching that we must live holy. Those of us who have called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we must turn away from all sin. No longer, no longer are we to make excuses for our bad behavior before the sight of the living God. We cannot be so deceived as to think that we have fellowship with the Father and still be in habitual sin at the same time. Beloved, I can't say it enough on the podcast. You ain't supposed to be sinning. Now that you have come to Christ, you are, in fact, a new creation, one that never existed before. You are born again. Now we know we are in sanctification. We have not reached sinless perfection yet. However, that is in no way a viable excuse for you to, To still blatantly, deliberately, knowingly practice sin. That tired old excuse about how we are still living in these bodies so we are prone to sin. And then the tear back it up with this age old question straight from Satan's playbook of disobedience. You mean to tell me you don't sin? We are all still sinners saved by grace. Beloved, I hate to break it to you. Either you are a sinner or you are born again by God's grace. You can't be both. I know you want to be both. I know you want to have your cake and eat it too. You want to put on a show that you belong to Jesus, but you still allow that supposedly crucified flesh to reign supreme in your life. Get the understanding of Galatians 2.20. Yep, I got the hammer out for the church. Because Holy Spirit does not appreciate you grieving him in this process. Absolutely not. You're not supposed to be sinning. Galatians 2.20 turned the lights on for me because like many in the body, I was playing too. At this point, I'm, I'm almost certain I wasn't born again. If I was, I was skating on thin ice. The Lord Jesus Christ told me when he brought me to my senses about repentance that I had not put on the new man. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives on the inside of me. This life I live in the body, I live it by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Amen. Galatians 2.20 Galatians 2 20 should be cemented within your spirit because you have to understand with absolute crystal clarity that that old man was nailed to the cross with Christ Jesus. And yes, you are to. Be producing good fruit. Yes, you are. But that's a work. You're right. Of righteousness. Not of the law. But of righteousness. Listen. Where's my bell? Wake yourselves up. We are supposed to be producing fruits of righteousness. Yes. You too, but I have eternal security. There is nothing that I can do to get myself plucked out of Jesus' hand. Jesus said that no man can pluck us out of his hand. If you don't go back and read, read John 10. Take it from verse 25 all the way to 30. Because do you think, and I have no problem in sounding like a parrot, when I beg this question once again, do you honestly think that Christ Jesus was talking to you who refused to listen to him, who refused To obey simple biblical truth as modest apparel. You can't even put decent clothing on. But you are the one who claims Jesus said no one can pluck you out of his hand. Again, was he talking to you who stays in habitual sin and think nothing of it? Well, precious I hate to keep breaking this to you, but Jesus was not talking to you. He was not talking to any one of us who remains in sin and claim the name. We are deceived. Listen, I'm going to give us some scriptures as foundation because you must be ready to meet God. The book of Amos tells us and warns us still, you must be prepare, prepared to meet God. It don't matter if you are born again. We still must prepare ourselves to meet the living God. Amen. So... Let us get to these scriptures, Proverbs twenty one twenty one. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity and honor, Amen. Psalm thirty seven twenty eight, for the Lord loves justice, and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. Amen. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Let me read that from the Amplified. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed, nor treated with contempt, nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. For whatever a man sows, this and this only is what he will reap. For the one who sows to his flesh his sinful capacity, his worldliness, his disgraceful impulses will reap from the flesh ruin and destruction. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Amen. Yes, beloved. We must not continue to sow to the flesh what is our priority then because the Lord Jesus Christ told us what our priority should be it is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you that's Matthew six thirty three, Beloved, let me leave you with one more foundational scripture. And then we're going to talk about what it truly means to bear good fruit. And why we must bear it in keeping with our repentance. Psalm 1. This is the Amplified. This is where we will find the righteous and the wicked contrasted. Blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked following their advice and example, nor stand in the path of sinners. Nor nor sit down to rest in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, his precepts and teachings, he habitually meditates day and night. Amen. Beloved, as New Testament saints, we meditate. Just like those who were under the law meditated on the law, well, we meditate on the law, on the law of Christ, which is what? Because it's only two commands, to love God. Jesus commands us to love God, our Heavenly Father, with our whole heart, mind, soul, and with all of our strength. And the second is just like that great command. We are to love our neighbor, our brethren, as we love ourselves. Amen. So, verse 3 of Psalm 1. And he... okay. He who, the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit down to rest in the seat of scoffers, that one, he will be like a tree, firmly planted and fed by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And, and in whatever he does, he prospers and comes to maturity. Amen. The wicked. Okay. Because some of us are walking the fine line. And if you don't repent, and if you don't stop it, you're not going to make it, beloved. Beloved. The wicked, those who live in disobedience to God's law, are not so. But they are like the chaff, worthless and without substance, which the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand unpunished in the judgment. Amen. Beloved. Believe it or not, you want to you want to know how to effectively put away all sin in your life. Keep your eyes on Psalm 5, okay? This as well as many other scriptures that tells us the unrighteous the wicked the evil doer will not inherit god's kingdom that's it there is no straddling of the fence either you are fully in the kingdom of god or you are not this is not a some a sometimey This is not a sometimey kingdom where you can take it one day and then the next you can just throw it off. No, precious. This is serious business. This is about your spiritual condition. And right now, it is shaky. Therefore, you you keep your flesh on verse 5. And that will keep you on the straight and narrow if, in fact, the Holy Spirit truly resides in you. If, in fact, therefore, the wicked will not stand unpunished in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Verse 6, for the Lord knows and fully approves the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. Amen. You cannot, you cannot get any clearer than that. That's not confusing. That's only confusing to the one who wants to stay in sin, but then but then, come against holy and righteous living as if that is so impossible to have. Because according to them, as long as we live in these flesh bodies, oh, we are going to sin. And if you say, you don't sin, then you are a liar, according to what John says. Uh, hello, well, you apparently had not finished what John was saying. He was saying, as he was leading into 1 John chapter 2, that the one who is the liar is not the one who is actually living a life, a consistent Life of righteousness. No, that person is not the liar. The liar is the one who claims the name and and live in habitual sin. They are a liar to even think they have fellowship with the father. These are they who don't confess anything. They consistently miss the mark, so much so that it's not even about missing the mark and you confess and repent and get the bath you need from 1 John 1, 9. No, these are they whose lives are characterized by sin, and that's a difference. They are the liar who claim they still know Jesus and yet openly confess they are still sinners. You are double minded and you are completely confused. Amen. So. Let's get on with the lesson today. What does it mean to produce fruit in keeping with repentance? Because we see this in Matthew 3, 8. Well, listen, in the wilderness of Judea, John the Baptist began his ministry of preparing Israel to receive her Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if anyone has been living under a rock and don't know who John the Baptist is, if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you definitely you definitely know who John the Baptist is. But let's get ourselves acquainted with John the Baptist real quick because today's lesson, thank you, Holy Spirit is coming from what he said. So let's find out who this person was. Although his name implies that he baptized people, which he did, John's life on earth was more than just baptizing. Okay. John's adult life was characterized by devotion and surrender and surrender to Jesus Christ and his kingdom. John's voice was. According to scripture. A lone voice in the wilderness. We see this in John 1.23. Where it says. He said I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. Amen. So, as he proclaimed the coming of the Messiah to a people who desperately needed a Savior, John, like many of us out here in these wildernesses, that's a word, right? Out here, proclaiming the second coming of the Lord and that you too must be prepared to receive Jesus because without Jesus Christ being your personal Lord and Savior, you are looking at fiery judgment from the King of glory. Listen, when Christ returns, He will not be passing out hugs. He is coming as King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and you must be ready to stand before him. Amen. Whether to receive rewards or your final judgment, which is second death, the lake of fire. So, John was the, he was the forerunner, the forerunner for the modern day evangelist as he unashamedly shared the good news of Jesus Christ. He was a man filled with faith and a role model to those of us who wish to share our faith with others. Amen. So, like I said, unless you've been living under a rock, everyone, even sinners, has heard of John the Baptist. The Bible goes on to say that his birth was a miracle. Mm -hmm. And not only that, because he was born to elderly parents, but he was in fact the first prophet called by God since Malachi some 400 years earlier. John's coming was foretold over 700 years previously by another prophet, Isaiah, who declared, talking about John. Now this is 700 years before John was born, but he was prophesied by Isaiah. Isaiah said, A voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, Every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places are plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. Isaiah 40, verses 3 to 5. Listen. This passage illustrates God's master plan in action as God selected John to be his special ambassador ambassador to proclaim his coming. Amen. So in part that was John ba- John the Baptist. So he began his ministry of preparing Israel to receive their Messiah. So, John had enormous, enormous crowds following him, and they went to hear what he was talking about. Listen, Matthew 3, 5, Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. Amen. And listen, as he traveled through the region, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. We see this in Luke 3, 3. And because of that, many people received his message. "...confessed their sins and were baptized." Look, Matthew 3, 6. "...and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins." Amen. Mark 1, 5. "...and all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan." confessing their sins amen beloved listen these (laughs) these baptisms stirred up such a commotion that the pharisees and sadducees went out to investigate Uh uh-huh aware listen because see john had wisdom okay he he had the holy spirit and so aware of their insincerity of the heart. John said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Amen. And we see this over there in Matthew 3, 7 to 8. Listen, John spoke severely. Challenging these religious leaders' spiritual pride and hypocrisy head on. Amen. And this is what we do today. We are not putting up with the corruption and hypocrisy going on in these apostate churches. With all of their false doctrines and teachings. Not to mention Traditions and commandments of men. Oh, absolutely not. And just like them, those Pharisees needed to know that God's judgment for sin was coming. Baptism is an outward symbol of true heart change. Mm-hmm. And John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Because let us not forget what repentance is. Repentance is the act of changing one's mind. It is not about crying. It is not about you falling down, down on the floor because you are so sorry, only to get back up and remain in the same sin, if not more sin. That's not repentance. Repentance is not saying to God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. But then you do do it again. Why? There is no turning in your mind. Repentance is the act of changing One's mind that results in a change of actions. You crying on the floor, telling God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But if there is no change in your behavior, then you have not sincerely repented. There must be a marked difference in your behavior regarding sin. If you are still willfully sinning, you have not repented. It don't matter what you say is what you are displaying. Amen. So, sincere repentance involves turning away from sin both in thought and action. So when the crowds came to John for baptism, they were showing their repentance and identifying with the new life. However, those Pharisees and Sadducees were detached. They were detached observers at John's baptism. They claim to have repented of their sins Sins they eagerly pointed out in others. Let us not forget the hypocrisy. Yet they lived as sinners. All the while denying their own guilt. Uh Uh-huh. And this is why when we read in the Gospels. The Lord Jesus Christ stayed checking them on their hypocrisy. Amen. Listen. The religious leaders of John's day had refused to submit themselves to God. They thought they were good enough by way of association with Abraham through their Jewish heritage. Look, Matthew 3, 9, and do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Amen. Listen, John the Baptist was giving them the business too. John eight thirty nine. This is the Lord Jesus. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Mm -hmm. Jesus said to them, if Abraham, no, if you were Abraham's children, you will be doing the works Abraham did. Amen. And which was what? Faith and obedience. Mm -hmm. But their religious rituals and spiritual, quote unquote, pedigree, were not enough to please God. Absolutely not. And beloved, I'm giving you all this background imagery of what was going on in John and John the Baptist's day as to why he said you must produce fruit in keeping with repentance because these Pharisees, Sadducees, elders, and scribes thought that because they came through the line of Abraham that they automatically will inherit the kingdom of God outside of their hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. So these religious leaders, what they should have been doing was setting an example and taking the lead. But oh no, no, instead they lived in self righteous, hypocritical denial of their spiritual condition. Listen, the same way is going down now in these modern apostate, Jesus never sent not near one of them. It was going down the same way back in Jesus' day. So, John the Baptist warned, the axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Amen. Study Matthew 3.10 is right there. The tree represents Israel. If Israel did not repent, it would be cut down and destroyed. Let us take a look at Luke 13, 6 through 10. Listen to this this parable. This is the parable of the fig tree that was barren. This fig tree should have been producing fruit. Mm -hmm. Verse six of Luke 13. And he told this parable is in red. So we know this is the Lord. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look. For three years now, I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why use it? Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Amen. Folks, this is telling. Okay. Jesus used parables for a reason. He was using everyday situations to teach a spiritual truth. And in this case, thank you, Holy Spirit. You are this tree that is supposed to be producing good fruit. Every time Jesus looks at you, all you are producing is bad fruit. He's looking for the good fruit, but he ain't finding none. Just like the vine dresser who... Jesus tells us is the father, his mercy so abounds. He is saying, you know what? Although I got the ax down to the root because I'm ready to be done with this behavior. But because, thank you, Holy Spirit, of his love and mercy, just like you, he is giving this tree a little bit more time. A little bit more time. He's already sent his Holy Spirit trying to sanctify you, but you constantly, consistently, rebelliously grieve. Holy Spirit. Not only that, but he sends out his messengers heralding holy and righteous living. But you keep bucking up against the process, claiming it's impossible to stop sinning. No, it is not. If it was, then God is a cruel, unjust God for even suggesting that we be holy as he is holy, that we be perfect as he is perfect after the Lord Jesus Christ gave us the command over there in John eight eleven 11 to 12, when he didn't condemn the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, when he told her, then he too must be just as cruel because he told her like he's telling us today, go, comma, and sin no more. Heaven must be as cruel as the grave to even declare for us to be righteous if it wasn't possible. No, heaven don't have it wrong. You got it wrong. All of us got it wrong to think we can stay in willful sin and still inherit the kingdom of God. All of us better keep this parable close to the vest if we do not produce good fruit we will be cut down Jesus tells us he is the vine the father is the vine dresser that if we don't remain abiding in him we are considered by him to be a broken off withered branch Useless, useless and worthless. And we, along with the other broken off, withered branches, will be bundled together and thrown into the fire to be burned. Amen. I keep telling you, God ain't playing. He's not playing with none of us. We can all still get it if we are not producing fruit of our righteousness in Christ. Listen, let me make this abundantly clear only those who genuinely repented and began to produce good fruit would be prepared for the coming messiah just like today even then when those in John's day when they genuinely repented and began to produce good fruit they were preparing themselves for the coming of the prophesied long awaited messiah Mm-hmm. Listen, Luke's gospel gives further insight into what it means to produce fruit and keeping with repentance. Because John told the people, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turn to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe. For we are descendants of Abraham, that means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Amen. And that's Luke 3, 8. And that's from the New Living Translation. Amen. John's baptism of repentance was meant to... To be the start of a brand new continuous life of producing fruit and keeping with righteousness. Amen. Listen, our family tree won't earn us a place in heaven or give us an automatic claim to God's promises. Nope. Not grandma's. Not Great grandmas, not mommies, not daddies, not aunties, not unks. Okay, none of their faith is automatically an entrance into the kingdom for you or for me. I cannot bank what my grandmother, uncle, auntie, what they had with the Lord, that I will just assume automatically because daddy is Deacon, Deacon Jones in the church, that I automatically get a free pass into heaven. Absolutely not. So no, your family tree will never earn you a place in heaven or some automatic claim to, God, to uh, God's promises. Nope. So John told these Sadducees and Pharisees, who, by the way, took extreme pride in their lineage to take a more humble view, just as God had made Adam from the dust of the ground, Okay, God could raise up children of Abraham from the stones of the wilderness. If that is not something to to grasp, that that's all I can say. John was telling them, "Look, listen, okay, you ain't saying nothing that you came from Abraham. Look at here now, just like God raised, uh, um." adam from the dirt okay god could very well take these stones right here and raise up for himself children of of abraham okay he was telling them right holy spirit he was telling them in effect you ain't special you you can get it too being abraham's children uh-huh so at John's preaching the people began to ask what should we do we see this in Luke 3:10 in in other words what is the fruit in keeping with repentance well because when the people asked him what should we do they were they were They were seeking to find out what is, what, what is this phenomenon that you are telling us that we must produce fruit in keeping with repentance? And so John answered because that's a reasonable question, right? So he answered, we see over here in Luke 3 311, he said, anyone who has two shirts, tunics, should share with the one who has none and anyone who has food should do the same. He told the tax collectors in the crowd, don't collect any more than you are required to. We see this in verse 13 because the crowd around him wanted to know how do you produce fruit in keeping with repentance? Because obviously they didn't know. And so John is giving them some examples of how to produce fruit, good fruit coming out of your righteousness now. So Just like the uh, tax collector, don't collect any more than you are required to. And then he told the soldiers in verse 14 of Luke 3, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Amen. Listen, such actions were the fruit of repentance and that they showed the genuineness of the change of heart. Amen. Just like Zacchaeus. Jesus said that salvation has come to his house. He is the son of Abraham. Why? Because Zacchaeus was a, a crooked, corrupt tax collector how he got rich was doing this collecting more than he was required to and what did he do to demonstrate his change of heart his change of mind he made restitution he was looking to repay all he have cheated and therefore Jesus was commending his repentance. Amen. Listen, when the Apostle Paul began began his preaching ministry, he too spoke of good deeds as proof of genuine repentance. When over here in Acts 26, 20, he said, I preach first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that all must repent of their sins and turn to God and prove they have changed by the good things they do. Amen. And this is what we get from the camp of one saved, always saved, Whenever you mention producing fruit and keeping with repentance, they, they quickly equate that with works of the law. In my opinion, they are too busy staying in willful sin to understand scripture. We are not talking about earning your salvation. Scripture says we must work out our salvation right how how do we do that we do that by producing fruit and keeping with repentance no one is saying that these righteous works that automatically comes from a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ we are not saying keeping fruit earns your salvation what? listen For the umpteenth time, we know salvation comes by grace. What is the scripture? I'm drawing a blank. Hold on. I got it for you. For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God, not as, listen, listen, not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law. So, so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for, for his salvation. Amen. So again, this is not works of trying to keep the law to, to earn your salvation because scripture tells us the law justifies no one. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ that by God's amazing grace that he has made a way for sinners to be made right with him when we do what? Put our faith in Jesus Christ. Boom. So now that you are in the family, how are we ought to be living? Do you think we still should be sinning? Yeah, well, the answer is no. Not only is it no, but it is a big fat no. Absolutely not. Are we to take God's grace that has been given to us so that we can be saved when we put our faith in Christ Jesus? So no, we don't take that as a license to sin. But guess what we must do, though? We must be bearing good fruit that will serve as evidence and testimony to our changed life as far as behavior is concerned, as far as renewal of the mind. Listen, in closing, the believer's spiritual life and growth are often compared to a fruit bearing tree in scripture. Just as fruit production is proof of life and health in a tree, so are good actions the evidence of spiritual life in Jesus Christ and the presence of God's spirit dwelling within a person. The Lord Jesus Christ, tells us a good tree a good healthy and in this analogy spiritual tree in this person that has put their faith and trust in me as as personal lord and savior produce good fruit so Back over here to the scripture, a good tree, a good, healthy, strong tree that is not dead, that got a bunch of broken off withered branches. No, but a good, healthy tree, just like a good, healthy, spiritually growing follower of the Lord Jesus Christ produces good fruit and a bad tree. Spiritually, what is a bad tree? One who claim the name and, and want to have their sinful cake and eat it too. On one hand, they want the world. On the other hand, they want Jesus when the world gives them a whooping. When hardships come, when uh, trials come, because of their sin, now they want to rebuke it in the name of Jesus. They want to plead the blood of Jesus everywhere, which by the way is false doctrine. Check the playlist. Somewhere down among the episodes, the Holy Spirit had me do a lesson that we don't, we don't, we don't Plead the blood of Jesus over nothing. Nowhere in scripture does the Lord nor his apostles tell us to do that. You want to know where we learn that madness from? The the apostate church. that, That wolf church. That false teacher. Twisting scriptures that we have the authority not only to plead the blood of Jesus, but that we can rebuke Satan. No, the Lord, again, I did a lesson on that one too. We are not authorized to rebuke Satan. The Lord and him alone rebuke Satan. Read. No, no, no. Eat 2nd Peter chapter 2 because over there Peter was even saying that the angels have and I'm paraphrasing enough sense not to rebuke Satan but that the angel says the Lord rebukes you even heaven even heaven knows we don't rebuke Satan we don't bind him either we see who binds Satan. Read Revelation twenty. It talks about the this angel will have this great big old chain in his hand, and he will bound, um, he will bind Satan, throw him into the pit for a thousand years. All of this binding and loosening, just, just. That's the word I'm looking for. Destroying, taking completely out of context scripture. Folks, we, we better sit at the feet of Jesus and learn sound doctrine. And come up out of these, these wolf churches. Because there is where we are being taught the nonsense. Pleading the blood of Jesus. Listen, that blood is so holy and precious. We only thing we do with that blood is get up underneath it. We don't take it and throw it it throw it around as if we're Moses somebody just just throwing the blood on the people, throwing the blood on money, throwing the blood on our kids, our spouses, our physical bodies. We don't do that. Jesus never taught us to do that. Man taught you that mess. Well, no. Spiritual warfare. Hello? That's not spiritual warfare. That's nonsense. Spiritual warfare is submitting yourself to God, resisting the devil, and he will flee from you. That's spiritual warfare. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Spiritual warfare is putting on the full armor of God. Spiritual warfare is you staying out of sin so that you don't open doors for the devil who roams around like a roaring lion looking for you to devour. Stop giving him entry in your life by staying in willful sin. No wonder you are constantly under attack. You brought it on yourselves. Stop sinning. Stop fornicating. Come up out of these adulterous remarriages. Stop lying. Stop committing adultery against your spouse. Stop stealing, Stop being a gossip and busybody. Come up out of the works of the flesh, Stop causing division, division among the brethren. Start there, and then your fight, as you say with Satan, will come to a complete halt. Lord God told us how to how to defeat sin, how to defeat Satan in terms of resisting, resisting, saying no to the many temptations that come our way. We defeat sin by putting our faith in Jesus that when he died on the cross, he defeated sin on our behalf. No longer is sin our master. And when we obey God, we are defeating sin because we are not participating in it. Folks, this ain't rocket science. Until you and I get serious about our salvation, you will run to the wolf. And he will tell you all about deliverance. He, he, will, he will tell you all about spiritual warfare. He will tell you that it is your authority as a child of God to bind and loose You better do what the what the apostles told us to do. Run. Withdraw yourselves. If anyone comes preaching to you another gospel, they are to be damned, accursed. But you won't know none of this because you consistently want to stay in sin any tempting thought that comes into your brain you are off and running with it claiming will we still live in this flesh body and and that don't give you the authorization and the omission to to go on into sin because you know after all we, we, we still live in these flesh bodies and we all give in to temptation. Well, guess what? Ooh, look at that. Y'all got my cap falling on the floor. But anyway, just because temptation comes, the Lord told us what to do with it. We are to resist it. So, no. I know for me, I ain't buying that anymore. Nope, nope, no, no, no. The Lord told us exactly, thank you, Holy Spirit, what to do when temptation comes. He did not say, well, you know what? Go on, give into it. I know, just like I made Adam from the dirt. I know you ain't nothing but dirt. I get it. So, all right, go on. I I understand. No. No. Absolutely not. And I'm going to say it just like this. You are going, all of us are going to look like a fool on judgment day with that excuse. If we are even able to give an excuse, because I told you, I believe on judgment day, when we are standing in eternity, we won't have these closed Deceived minds anymore. Right. I believe. That we will have absolute crystal clarity. Of the whole situation at hand. I don't think there will be any excuses thrown at Jesus. Why? Because you're going to fully understand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He was right all along. And he says that it will be the word he's spoken. That will testify against you on judgment day. So, I don't see anywhere in scripture over here in Revelation 20 where John was saying how he saw the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So, I don't see him saying and both the how he said That he saw the dead small and great stand before God. Arguing with him. Debating. Where he says. Verse 12. Yeah verse 12. And I saw the dead small and great stand before God. And the books were opened. I don't see anything over there about how people are still going to be claiming. Well you know Lord Jesus. First of all. He's probably going to say, Lord, back that up. What do you mean, Lord? Don't, why Why call me Lord? You ain't listen to nothing I told you to do. They honor me with their mouths, but that heart is far from me. So no, no one is going to be arguing with Jesus about anything. You want to know why? The books will be opened. Mm-hmm. I keep telling y'all, listen, all of us must walk circumspectly. We must call through our lives daily. Where is the sin? Am I doing anything that does not please the father? And don't deceive yourselves to think. You staying in this remarriage when you have a living spouse is okay with Jesus because you claim you have repented, but you didn't change. If you, real quick, because this keeps coming up. If you have been married and you divorced and now you have remarried, When your ex, which is still your living spouse, your covenant spouse is alive and you and you remarry, Jesus says you commit adultery. I've done many, many lessons on this podcast. If there is no change, if you do not divorce that spouse and come out of that remarriage, You will die in the sin of adultery. And you can claim, well, I repented. I asked Jesus to forgive me and he did. Okay, so you mean to tell me that once Jesus forgave you, he said it was okay for you to remain in the sin of adultery? You... You better not say yes, because if that's the case, well, then the party is on, folks. We can go back to our fornications. We can go back to smoking weed, drinking, cursing like a sailor we can we can continue to dress like a harlot we can do it all because this adulterer just said jesus forgave them and they get to stay in their sin because they deserve another bite at the apple folks wake up (laughs) absolutely not Once Christ forgives us of our sins, we must come out of it and stay out of it. Otherwise, it is not repentance. Nope. So, I believe I was about to give you all Matthew 7, 17 to 20. Because I told you, I can go off on a tangent in a minute. So, right. Because I was, (laughs) I was, I was giving you all about what Jesus said about how a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree, the Lord says, can't, can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't, can't. Produce good fruit. So, listen, so every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Amen. These are the words of Jesus Christ. Listen. Fruit in keeping with repentance represents the good deeds and changed behaviors that naturally flow from a truly repented and transformed heart. In James 2:14 to26, James teaches extensively on the subject. Explaining that faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Amen. And he concludes just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Amen. I know somewhere on this podcast not too long ago I did a teaching on this very thing because we are constantly confronted by those who claim one saved always saved and that there is nothing we need to do in order to enter heaven again this this lesson lesson on on faith and works and repentance and good fruits this has nothing to do with yours with earning your salvation and for the life of me get the cotton out of your ears this stems from what happens once you are in the body we know we know we have we cannot earn our way to salvation. We know there is nothing that we can boast about how we got saved. It is only through grace. We know this. We ain't talking about that. Once you are now born again, how are you expected to live? Do you think Holy God still wants you to live a life of wickedness now that you are born again. Folks, I keep telling you, this ain't rocket science. You're not supposed to be producing bad fruit. And what is bad fruit? Evil works. Bad deeds. A.K.A. you are still sinning. Not only that, but your life is characterized by sin and you keep claiming the name that's what we're talking about we are we are talking about holy living after you come to christ not how you are wait a minute no not how you got saved if you will but now that you are in the family now right now, after the cross, now that you've come to Christ, all of that grace, all of that faith. Now, now that you are in the family, going forward, going forward, how should you be living now? Do you think you should still be smoking your weed, claiming the name? Do you think that you have a right to claim eternal life, and you don't listen to Jesus, you don't follow him, you look at scriptures as if it's a mirror, and then when you walk away, you forget what you look like, you completely forget that 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 tells us the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God you read that you walk away and that goes right out the window but then when you come across holy teaching and righteous living now you got a problem claiming well you know we still live we still live in the flesh everybody sins No precious (laughs) Oh, oh no we got the memo God ain't playing cause you playing And you are going to be in a world of pain if you don't repent and start producing fruit in keeping with your repentance. Amen. Listen, I said I was going to close it, right? So I'm I'm bringing this to a close. So, Paul, we, we find Paul over here in Philippians. Praying for them to be filled with, to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. First, no, 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 not first. Philippians 1 verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Listen, he gives examples of good spiritual fruit. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Mm-hmm. And we see this in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Ephesians 5, 9 says, For the fruit of light... Is found in all that is good and right and true. Amen. Colossians 1 10. So as to walk in a matter, in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. This is how we ought to be walking and living, folks, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Amen. This precious is how we ought to be living, not in sin claiming the name. We are in fact commanded to bear fruit in every good work. And not only that, since you got so much time on your hand hands to be sinning, we are to be increasing growing spiritually mature increasing in the knowledge of God this is how we ought to be spending our time seeking seeking the kingdom of God seeking his righteousness learning being taught how being taught by the holy spirit how to be holy and righteous As we await the coming of the Lord, or if he tarries in his coming and we go by the way of the grave, you better make sure you are prepared to meet Jesus face to face. You better be sure all of us, myself included, we better be sure as sure that we have right standing with the father. And stop all the nonsense. Listen. What I want to give you. Do I want to give you James 3.17? No. I don't. The followers. The follower of the Lord Jesus Christ's ability to produce fruit in keeping with repentance depends wholly on our intimate fellowship with the Lord. Who said. Remain in me. Listen folks. Where you see red. Connote that with a command. Okay. This this is how serious. We got to take the very words. Of Jesus Christ. He said. Remain in me. And I will remain in you. For a branch. Cannot. Produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me amen so that's the problem now we get it oh because i thought i was going crazy Now we see what the problem is. The problem is the reason why you are not producing good fruit. It is because you are not abiding in Jesus Christ. There we go. That's the missing piece to the puzzle. Because I'm like, wait a minute. Are we or are we not supposed to be living righteously now? Well, Jesus said, remain in me. And I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. Oh, you are severed from the vine. That's why you believe it's impossible to stop sinning. And this is why we say it is doable. Because we, sad to say, unlike you, are abiding remaining in Jesus this is why we are a tree that produces good fruit not because we we are just some wonder no it's because we are rooted and firmly attached to the vine apart from him we can't produce good fruit Thank you, Holy Spirit. That's the key. That's the key. It's no wonder you got a bunch of tears running rampant throughout the body trying to convince us we are still sinners. No. It's because Jesus is telling us that if we remain in him and him in us, well, We who are called branches cannot produce good fruit. I mean, we cannot produce bad fruit because we remain in him. So let's just read the whole scripture. Jesus said, remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is If it is severed from the vine and you cannot be, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I am in them will produce much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. Amen. That's John 15, 4 through 5. I'm going to leave you all with this closing remark. The root will naturally produce fruit. Fruit in keeping with repentance is the evidence as well as a result of a changed mind, transformed Life and ongoing communion with Jesus. Amen. Father, thank you for today's lesson. What understanding, what wisdom, what clarity. It is doable to produce good fruit. We will not be deceived by anyone who tries to convince your born-again children, it is impossible to stop sinning when all we have to do is remain in Jesus. Apart from him, we cannot produce good fruit. Apart from him, there is no way that we can produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Apart from him, oh, we produce bad fruit all day long, claiming we know the vine. But when in fact, we are nothing but broken off withered branches. Help us get this understanding, Father, that when we abide in Jesus, when we have ongoing fellowship and communion with him, We cannot produce fruit that is bad. We can only produce good fruit when we remain in Jesus. Apart from Jesus, we will always give in to sin. We will always take your your grace as a license to sin. There will be no fear of the Lord. Because we do not have fellowship. The Lord just told us. Remain in me. And I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit. If it is severed from the vine. If we are separated. If we allow ourselves to be separated from the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of willful blatant deliberate sin we will never produce good fruit a branch cannot produce good fruit if it is severed from Jesus Father I pray that I made that absolutely clear by your grace thank you for wisdom we honor you this day We lift up the blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ. We lift up his holy name. Thank you, Father. Thank you for forgiving us of our sin. Thank you. Thank you for it all. Thank you for our salvation, our redemption, sanctification, justification, and soon glorification. Thank you so much. I may seem repetitive, but Father, thank you, Holy Spirit. The only way that I can sufficiently show my thanks and gratitude for what you have done for me is to live a life abiding in Jesus Christ, bringing honor to your name. That's all I know to do because. Although good works comes from the righteous, I know what worship is. It is all about obedience. It's not about lip service because I can claim the name all day. I can say I love God, but if my actions, if my behaviors say otherwise, then I am a liar. Not only am I a liar, but I'm a hypocrite. No hypocrite, no liar will inherit your kingdom. That I know for a fact. And that will keep this girl out of willful sin. And if we miss the mark, Father, your mercy is there. We have an advocate in heaven, Jesus Christ. But that don't mean we can pull that out the back pocket as a license to sin. Nope, we can't. I'm quite sure you know all the tricks. <laughs> you know you know all the tricks and all the loopholes that we be trying to get around the command of living holy. Bless your holy name, Father. We give you honor and worship this day. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, folks. Listen, I got to go. I ran out of time again. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now.